Welcome to the Romanus podcast. I'm the host Donatos Urbanas. I am joined by Augustus Shulauskas, Eritis Vishnauskas. Hello, everyone. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Good guys. morning. How are you doing? Uh, we're extremely good, actually. Like Martin Schiller would say, we're extremely good because we have some nice late birthday gifts to our uh, one of the kind, Ritas Vishnauskas, who is already having some nice uh, retro uh, Seattle Son Supersonics t-shirt yeah and i i have a feeling it's from philippines yeah because i saw it in philippines nba store yeah i was just uh visiting that nba store like every three or four times <laughs> during uh, my, my stay because <laughs> you don't get these prices in europe uh like uh, yeah a, a hat that costs 60 or 70 euros in in, in europe you could buy that for 40 in, in manila so i got some shirts sonics knicks we, we uh, all had Doncic. this guilty pleasure to go to NBA store once in a while yeah. during our breaks in the World Cup. Uh, and I actually met um, Lithuanian national team players a couple of times there, uh, Luka Banki. Okay. Uh, so some other players from other national teams. What, what Luka Banki was, was buying? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh. I'm not sure. I, I don't know the man, so I did not really have a conversation with him. And I'm not that curious yeah. to look to somebody else's uh, shopping uh, basket. So I'm not sure, but he was there definitely. Yeah, and we actually have some late birthday present to you by skstar.eu. And you can unpack your gift box. Right. And we just celebrated those gifts so, last week and uh, we were Item number one, item number one. Let's see what we have uh, here. And I had this question before you're gonna unpack anything. Uh, yeah. we. Nobody knew what's coming in those boxes. What and would be the I had no idea. The team, the merch that you would be the most unhappy for. Unhappy. Yeah. Uh August got Charlotte Hornets. Okay. I, I wouldn't want to represent Charlotte in any <laughs> any way, shape, okay. or form. But the color of that's uh it's a nice jersey. Because of, because, it's a nice jersey. What's happening but lately? It it doesn't bring me good associations. I don't mm. like Charlotte and okay. what they're doing, what they're cooking so over there. Only one team on your blacklist, right? Uh Probably, yeah, basically. Okay. Okay, what do we have here? It's it's, it's basically just a, Another a retro, retro jersey uh, with all the teams from West and the East listed here on the back. It's a, it's a, it's a really nice, it's not a jersey, it's a t-shirt. It's yeah. a really nice tee. And a nice color I as well. It. Thank you, SK Store. Nice color, yeah, as well. Yeah. All right, so number one is great. Yeah, just in case, SK Store is one of the biggest basketball stores in Europe which offers you to browse through some finest basketball equipment from the best brands in the market, such as Nike, Jordan Brand, Adidas, Puma, and others. Check it out at skstar.eu. Number two. Uh, Ooh, I, I, see, I, see the logo. I see what's happening. I see what's happening. I see the logo. And yeah. I'm it, thinking, is it, was it gonna, predictable. Is it going to be a retro jersey? Is it going to be a new jersey? But we see that we made some special requests and for Ritas. It is... Jeremy Sochan. Sohan. Is it Sohan? I think he, it's Sohan. He's Polish? How, yeah, how do you half pronounce Polish. That? Polish, uh, American. Okay. I would I would go with Sochan, but if it's Sohan, I think it's I, Sohan. I'm fine with it. Okay, never mind. You know, if if if, if it's Christmas time and, and a, a kid is getting a a present under the Christmas tree uh -huh. and he's uh, un unboxing it and he's seeing Spurs and he's thinking Finally, my Vembanyama jersey is here. <laughs> oh, all of a sudden. But 
Hey, that's Van Banyama's point guard right now. Yeah, he's gonna play point guard. It's gonna be interesting, and I like him actually. I like uh, the way he is brave enough to experiment with his free throw routines, and uh, seems like a really nice guy. Uh, so it's a nice jersey. It's a really good quality as well. Yeah, I can see that. It's, I actually have a Spurs jersey with my name on the back of it. Now I will Ooh, have okay. uh, Sohan. Uh, I have Ginobili from. Uh, Kinder Bologna. Uh -huh. So I have enough of starting uh, five of Spurs. Of, of, of Spurs. Are you going to start? Are you going to start shooting free throws one-handed now? <laughs> <laughs> and dye your hair? Uh, <laughs> I won't dye my hair, <laughs> although I'm getting some gray hair recently. But shooting free throws with one hand, it wouldn't hurt me. I don't. I don't. I don't feel <laughs> I would have any it difference. It makes any difference. If okay, I would yeah. just shoot it with my right hand, I would. I, I think I'd have my usual 70%. Oh, okay. Okay, and now we have, have a pair of shoes. To shoot your Ooh. free throws. Shoot my free throws. Nike. What a color. That's nice. Great color. That's actually the best basketball shoes that we got. I'm not a sneaker head, so. so I don't know what type are those, but I like it. I love it. I'm definitely gonna wait. Let me check. Let me check. And yeah. skstar.eu, you can check not only for basketball merch or basketball related equipment, but also for just regular clothing and, and stuff. A lot of great offers over there. And the last one from our friends skstar.eu. The last one. Oh. Also Nike. These, we from now on, we all have to wear this one in all our podcasts be, okay. because we got the same. So since I sometimes when I, I rewatch those uh, uh, episodes, <laughs> I, I, okay, I, I got the memo. Yeah, yeah I see. I Actually, see. most of my shoes, most of my streetwear is kind of like this, mm -hmm. just with different colors. So you never can go wrong with I'm black so, and white. So I'm I'm super happy with these gifts. Thank you, skstore.eu. And once again, I didn't know what I was gonna yeah. get. So if I was angry and not happy, I would say that. So. Definitely, all of these are great. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, speaking of gifts, I remember <laughs> I was texting Augustus Schlauskas on Saturday morning about the potential podcast topics that we might uh, bring into the podcast. And, you know, it was not that easy. We had some nice <laughs> games, controversial games, and there were some topic ideas here and there. But it was not like I was also thinking about something extra because it felt like this the, the coming podcast was about to lack something, something more. Something I, I was spicier. thinking more something, yeah, spicy <laughs> and some controversial, bold uh, topics. Like Coach Popovich says, I need some nasty. Some nasty. And Servena <laughs> Zesda Belgrade delivered some nasty. Saturday evening, I'm just enjoying my shisha, enjoying my <laughs> drinks, and I'm just watching, you know, getting actually calls before the official announcement that, hey, Take a look, something is happening. And then, bam, there's a tweet, uh, official tweets at around, it was eight at night or something. Something like that. Time, something like that. That Dushkovanovic is out. So thank you, Terena Zvezda Belgrade, for deliver, delivering these uh, gifts for our uh, content, for our uh, podcast. Uh, so we not need to, 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 to think of some additional ideas. You can you can count on them every early season, basically. <laughs> every November, you know, October. October, November, they are going to give us one podcast, you know, where we can talk about exactly this particular topic. Just a few facts before we start analyzing this move. The first coaching change last season happened in mid-November. Now it's 
October 23rd, and we have three of 18 yearly teams uh, already fired their head coaches and more firings are incoming. And it's the first time we have three firings as early as October 22nd. And f as I said, it's not the last one for sure. Mike James, by the way, I love what Mike, how active Mike James is on Twitter recently. He just tweeted uh, straight following the news about Dushko. Brand new team, four games in and didn't have any bad losses. People got to learn to be a little more patient in Europe. So the question to you guys, uh, you're in or out regarding Dushko Ivanovic fighting? I'm definitely out. Uh, and I think Mike said it best, like there were no bad losses. It's not like uh, they were underperforming and, and dropping games by 20, 30 points. They had this issue with fourth quarters, with closing games, but basically they, they played solid basketball mm -hmm. uh, versus Jalgiris, versus Monaco. They could have snatched both of those wins. It's it just that, again, that fourth quarter issue uh, happened. And I don't think it's unsolvable. I don't think they were in some huge trouble or anything like that. Probably five days before the firing, August released a video or a breakdown about how Zvezda should be fine. Something like that. Oh, on the same day. <laughs> on the same day. <laughs> on, the, on Saturday morning. I thought it was earlier. So, yeah. Thank God we posted it before. Uh, yeah. so, so, so to me, it's, it's crazy. It just shows how unjust the world of basketball is, especially here in Europe. But also at the same time, I haven't been to that locker room. I haven't mm -hmm. been uh, to the in, in the front offices of Zvezda. I don't know. Maybe they had some disagreements with the coach. These things happen, and it it sometimes leads to uh, unexpected news like this. Um, because if you look at the results, there's nothing wrong. I mean, you lost games, yeah, but you have to look at the context: how you lost, mm -hmm. who you played. Uh, it, they reacted immediately. They probably had this plan B prepared. Uh, who are they going to sign to replace uh, Dusko yeah. Ivanovic? So you you cannot really compare this uh, firing with, let's say, T.G. Parker's because that, that's a different story. He, he's been there for, for a long time. He didn't deliver results. He got some credit, but they started season poorly. And, and what Asfil did to me makes sense. What Zvezda did... It's strange, but again, I don't know anything from inside of, of the club. And, and I think that's really important. You know, we don't know what's happening inside the club. And although I think, you know, four games is definitely not enough for a coach to reach something with a new team, like you need more time, that's for sure. But we all know that Dushko is at his best when he's coming in to fix teams, you know, when some teams might have not, not enough, uh, you know, structure maybe the old coach cannot ask his players for some to play some defense to 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 be you know more aggressive that's where Dushko comes in he's the best like we saw multiple times already and we saw last season with Zvezda he comes in they win they go on a winning streak they add Campazzo but they they don't get that much better with more offensive talent in Campazzo they don't reach the playoffs they are you know slacking in some games so I was we talked, uh, we talked in the summer, like Dushko remained the head coach, but they signed mm. so many offensive players when their coach is actually defensive-minded and structure-minded. So I don't think this roster with Shabazz, Milos, Nemanja Nedovic need, you know, a lot of structure. And it's not like this team is going to be a defensive team. I think this team needs, you know, 
scorers needs freedom to express themselves not to fin not to fit in in some kind of structure so this firing so early i don't agree with that because you simply don't really let a coach have enough time with this new completely new team they changed like 10 players i think 11 11 11 players, 11 players in in the off season so he definitely didn't have enough time but i think you know, we don't know something from inside. Maybe the relationship with the players was bad or, the, you know, the the, the, the GM. Mm. The GM saw that, you know, the players were not giving, I don't know, enough. But as I wrote and as I said, even last week on the podcast, they, they solved a couple of things and this is a really solid team. They were not playing bad. They were just, they couldn't close out a couple of games in the end. They could have been three and one easily right now. Instead, they are there one and three and, you know, they already have a new coach. Yeah, I don't support this decision because I remember that in the last pod, my main idea was like they were Shabazz Napier playing his regular game away from winning, uh, from winning two games. If Shabazz Napier was playing to his standards, I think that they would have closed those both games against Chargers and even in Mon uh, against Monaco. And you know, it's and he, for sure he he gonna return he he will bounce back and Shabazz Napier will play his uh, his regular basketball that he's capable of uh, and you know your best scorer your your top paid player shouldn't be on the bench uh, to close out those games and you shouldn't finish games with Milos Teodosic he he can spark your team during the game he can play some good stretches but I want Shabazz Napier on the court to decide those games so he will be fine and I said that. Zvezda also will be fine, so I don't think that Dushka Ivanovic was a major a problem, but I tried to check, as you mentioned, you know, maybe there was something inside uh, happening between the coach and, and the, the management, for instance. And there were a lot of speculations before. I remember even on our Basket News BN Plus uh, WhatsApp chat that we have for exclusively BN Plus subscribers, basketnews.com slash plus. Uh, even on that chat, there were some rumors because we have whole different people inside that chat. Some have their legit sources, some are just regular fans, some are even working in basketball organizations. And they mentioned that there potentially have been some conflicts with Milos Teodosic, that there was a maybe the reason why Nemanja Bielica is not playing for Red Star is also related uh, to Dusko Ivanovic. We don't see Jago Dos Santos playing. And from what I heard that, uh, you know, it's Dusko's way of handling his transition to the EuroLeague. Uh, by a couple of sources, I was told that no, there were no major conflicts or something that would be, let's say, the main reason why they decided to to, to cut Tushko Ivanovic. Uh, even vice versa, I know that uh, a lot of players were really surprised by a quick decision. Maybe there were some signals, but nobody expected that it can happen that soon. There were no major problems between Dushko and uh, uh, the management. Uh, the relationship was perfect. Uh, Dusko Ivanovic is beloved head coach over there. We also saw it from the, their statements. He did a good job uh, last season as well. But I think that, you know, if you look at Zvezda's history, I checked all the head coaches they had. Okay, Wikipedia is not the most trustworthy source, but usually they put some of these factual things in pretty correct way. So since 2000s, only two head coaches worked two full seasons in Zvezda. It was Dan Radonjic, for sure. I think it was in, in two different tenures. And also uh, Mr. Shakota in early 2000s. Then they had so many coaches that nobody worked there over uh, more than uh, two seasons. 
And one of, when I started digging in, you know, what was the main reason why Dushko left? One of the main reasons was actually, you know, it's Zvezda. It's a very demanding organization. And the uh, Balkan region itself is a very demanding uh, region because they don't have a long-term license in the EuroLeague. They need quick results. They need quick changes to win. Uh, the stakes are very high. We all remember their president, Chobic, uh, setting the goals for the season, Final Four. It already tells a lot. And I believe that it comes not from a personal ambition of Mr. Chovic. I think it believes from sponsors as well, or agreements and promises you you, you made in, in Belgrade. And also, I've also heard that uh, one of the reasons was that we shouldn't analyze just the beginning of this season. We should analyze the entire tenor of Dusko Novanovic and Red Star. And it includes some losses, same like this season against Jalgiris or Monaco, in some games that they had to win against their rivals, against the rivals for the top eight, they didn't deliver in closing uh, out games. And we all remember the last season when before Campasso's return, I mean, Dusko started with 6-0 and uh, run mm -hmm. in the EuroLeague. And, but before Campasso's return, suddenly they started to dropping games against Alba, against Jalgiris, against somebody else. Even when Campazo came back, there were some disappointing uh, games. So we shouldn't, and of course, they didn't win uh, Alba League as well. So we shouldn't focus only on the start of the season, but we should look at the same uh, whole process. And from what I understood, hearing those reasons that they didn't see much of an improvement and a change uh, competing against their rivals, for the playoff uh, positions, and maybe they saw the trend in losing games, losing but, four quarters. But again, I, I would agree with that. If change the coach if in the he, summer, if if Dush, but if Dushko had more or less the same roster, let's mm. say Campazzo left, they, they yeah. replace him with Shabazz, but all the other guys are more or less the same. Then I would say, okay, so there's continuity, and they still have the same issues from the last season. Maybe you could consider changing the coach. But we are talking about eleven new players. Yeah, I'm not going to advocate the information so, so, I've got. Uh, but I'm reacting to, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, to, yeah. what, to what you said. And I am never happy to see a man losing his job, whether I like him or not. I'm not a fan of Dusko Ivanovic or anything like that. To me, this firing is just uh, cruel and unfair. But okay, they, they're signing a really great coach right now. So yeah. it, it's not like um, they're turning in the wrong way. But I'm, I just feel a bit sad for... Dusko Ivanovic. Yeah, so what do you think about the new head coach? What changes do you expect from Yanis Faropoulos? A two-year deal. Uh, he didn't have a job last season, so he was out. And he left Maccabi in the mid-season, so basically he was two years out of active uh, head coaching, but we all know his resume. Olympiakos, yeah. Maccabi, he had some great stretches as well. He's a well-respected coach in the EuroLeague. How, what kind of changes do you expect uh, um, in, in Restar? I believe he's a great coach, first of all. I believe he can give Shabazz neighbor his confidence back. Uh, Sferopoulos has been coaching great guards, and they, they, they were really happy in his system. We're talking Spanulis, we're talking Wilbekin. Um, maybe his la the way it all ended for him in Maccabi wasn't as, as beautiful as it could, could have been, but uh, I think his uh, tenure in Maccabi was a success. He was unlucky. Uh, in the 1920 season, that was the pandemic season, they, they were fourth in the standings. They had 19 wins from 28 games. They were playing great basketball. And all of a sudden, the season ended with nothing. 
And then Maccabi was heavily affected by COVID. They mm-hmm. didn't have money to sign big players to improve the roster. Uh, Wilbekin was getting injured all the time. And, and the preseason was screwed as well. So they, yeah, they had a bad preseason. No then pre-season. As, as far as I remember in the 2021 season, they lost so many games by mm. one to five mm. points margins and overtime losses and stuff like that. So everything seemed fine. They couldn't make it to the playoffs. He was so unlucky about that COVID season. Uh, and I'm expecting good things uh, for Zvezda uh, with the signing of coach Sferopoulos. Uh I think he's a guard-oriented coach, if you could say that. Yeah. Uh, we will see, but he definitely will have those tools here. Uh, maybe he will be the one who will unleash Iago Dos Santos and make him a, Euroleague, a proper mm-hmm. EuroLeague uh, player. That That could be another expectation. Uh, I think I believe that other teams were interested in him even last season when they were changing coaches. They probably were considering him or maybe even had some negotiations. We even talked about him as a possible candidate for Zalgiris when yeah. when when Martin Schiller had was, offer, yeah. was fired. So it's not like he was out of the radar. And yeah. the way Zvezda reacted quickly, probably he was their number one option. Yeah. And I mean, and he is also kind of something the closest to Dusko Ivanovic and his style. But I would say a little bit nicer version of uh, Dusko Ivanovic. I mean, he likes discipline on and off the court. But uh, from what I heard, his tenure in Maccabi Tel Aviv made him more flexible because it was the situation, organization, the way it's structured, the team, the, the players they get, it requires you to make some kind of an adjustments. And he was, he became just a little bit more flexible, uh, both on and off the court. And from what I heard, you know, one of his advantages over Dushko was also that he has a little bit better approach to the players. He can connect to the lock, locker room maybe a little bit uh, better. Uh, not that kind of old school as uh, Dusko Ivanovic. And his style, I mean, he was also, although guard-oriented, uh, somebody who can relish the, the potential of his guards, but he al- was also defensive-minded uh, head coach. If you look at his time in, in Maccabi, in the three consecutive years since 2018 to 21, Maccabi was top five defensive team in the EuroLeague per, per Bibolytics, uh, according to their defensive uh, rating. Uh, so that might be an, an improvement uh, for, for Red Star as well, because they so far they were, were struggling in the second halves, allowing top three uh, worst uh, points uh, in the second halves, almost 43. But he's coming into a good situation. Like this is the number one offensive rebounding team. This is the team, the second team that has the, the least amount of turnovers. Uh, all they need to do is, let's say, get their shooting in in rhythm intact. But I expect this to be much better. You know, with Shabazz, he already showed in Bologna what he is able to do. You know, maybe not as good as field goal percentage, but you know, he will he will be much better. You know, pretty soon. I, I have no doubts about it. So. He doesn't like he doesn't need to change much i think on court i think probably he the way he manages people and the way he manages rotations is his most important task in, in coming into Cervena Zvezda. should we expect roster changes uh i heard that we might expect roster changes and it there might be some changes in their front line uh so far there were some let's see uh like I'm hearing some information that uh, they might bring a 
a really solid player to their front line and it might replace one of the bigs that they have. At the same point, there are some denials uh, regarding that information. So we'll see how the situation will turn out. But for sure, uh, they might do some changes uh, and they have some 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 money left for, for these kind of moves. Although, although you think that the roster is, you know, they have more than enough players on their uh, roster, but Sferopoulos should bring at least one new uh, player uh, to their team. Just like we talked in the summer, you know, they brought in really, really similar level type of players all in their front court, like six or seven guys at the same level. And they're kind of missing this, you know, some big punch right right there, you know, some some really big, big time name, big time players. So if they can add that, I think uh, they are really stacked to make a to make a good run in the EuroLeague this year. Yeah, just, just fun stat that <clears throat> might not mean anything, but I remember a uh, year or two ago, I made a, a little research and I counted, counted that 28 in-season coaching changes happened in the EuroLeague since the new format in 2016. And in five years, only on five occasions, new coaches managed to orchestrate their teams to the top eight. So it might mean nothing, basically, because it's very, very early stage of the season. And Red Star has has a lot of potential with the roster and potential moves. But, you know, just just some indicator regarding the changes and teams' expectations um, uh, regarding uh, coaching changes, especially as quick as into the season. Uh, and speaking of, again, this is very... Uh, you know, we don't need, want to be bad messengers. We don't like to promote uh, coaches firing, but Juan Penroy is another coach on the hot seat. Uh, obviously, I mean, they lost three home games in the EuroLeague uh, already. And uh, in during the entire 2022-23 season, they lost three home games. Their game seems to have a lot of problems. They also lost the last ACB game and it was kind of, you know, Information coming from the sources that you know that might be his Penaroya's do or die game. If you lose, and Basconi is out. another organization that is known for changing coaches a lot. <laughs> and someone that's is, a good point. Someone is open. Who? Man, <laughs> when you have Dusko Ivanovic available, <laughs> no matter who you are, if you're Jean Penaroya, if you're Sharuna Sisikavich, or you're Greg Popovich, you should be scared. You're in hot seat uh, already. Dusko will be back, and and they will pay. Uh, half a million buyout for Rokas Gedraitis. <laughs> you heard it here first, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but they have some serious defensive issues. There is no... no, no I would no, say offensive no issues chemistry, well. no, no trust. They, they have issues everywhere. Okay, yeah. offensive issues, of course, for sure. But these, in my eyes, are, are solvable. Like, mm. you can work with Marcus Howard, maybe have a different approach. You can create some chemistry. You have talent. You might need to add a point guard, but I mean, okay, I I can see how they how they will score in the future. But that defense, what I saw versus Jalgiris, that was that was terrible, non-existent. I I I don't think I, I've I've seen worse defensive performance in a long time in Euroleague. Probably not. Like I was preparing for that for that game, watching the, their games in the Euroleague, and I was like, Jalgiris are going to win more than 10 points this away game easily yeah. I, I had, it's a miracle that I it's had no all doubt. of a sudden became a five-point game in the middle of the mm. fourth quarter Chima Moneke suddenly became Marcus Howard there you know in the middle yeah. of the game so transition freeze and all that transition stopping for a transition yeah. freeze so I mean he played in a fantastic game but the way they play defense and it's like you said their offense is a solvable task but I think 
you know, we always praise how Basconia do great job scouting and signing players in the summer. I don't think they replicated that this summer. Mm. You know, in offense, at some points, they have three guys that are not shooters. And how mm. can Marcus Howard do something, you know, efficiently if he has if he has three guys on the, on the, on his, on the same lineup that are not shooters? So everybody just concentrates on him. Yeah, two guys on him, and then there is help coming to the paint, and they are allowing other guys to shoot. Cody Miller, McIntyre, they're going under with every screen of this guy. Their offense is not working, and then they when Basconia doesn't score, their defense is just gets even worse. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they really look they really look bad terrible terrible it is you know? as simple as you beat your man on the perimeter and there's no rim protection you're yeah. going for a layup four or five every times single time happened and then the of course the played really smart basketball the way they use their shooting big man in pick and pop situations i love that play where olanovas got a ball in the post mm. And and there was some off ball movement off ball screens for brady manic to get open i mean shalgir is just basically did a clinic in that game and and they uh, pointed the finger to every weakness that Basconia has yep and there were a lot of them so <laughs> there were a lot uh yeah last season they were not known for their defense but they had Darius Thompson running yeah. the show so they were playoff contenders and they they could beat teams 110 to 100 in Buesa Arena it's no longer the case and and to me what what is strange is that I always associate these um, Basconia teams with greatness in point guard position. Mm. Whether it was Darius Thompson from last season or Mike James, Zoran Planinic, Pablo Prigioni, and all the other Shane guys Larkin, from the past. Shane, Shane Larkin. I mean, they, they would always have... Thomas Sertel even uh, in his prime. They would always have a great point guard. That, that was where they have the most quality. Mm basically every season since the modern EuroLeague started yep. this year they don't really have it anymore mm -hmm. they're becoming sort of a forward oriented team but it's not what they are used to doing and it's not like Chima Moneke with Tadas Edekerskis will win you games on their own I get it why Juan Peñaroy is on a hot seat but if a new coach comes in he is in for for a really really tough job I mean Zvezda Sferopoulos, oh, yeah. I think he's in a good position to start winning games straight away. Mm. Basconia, if they replace Jean Peñera, I don't think the new coach will have it easy. That's why I think it, it's more of a, you know, the, the, the roster structure. Yeah. This, the problem is the roster structure, not the coach as much. And they have the 16 worst offense after four rounds. They're scoring only Ouch. 104 points in, one, in 100 possessions. Last year, they were the third best offense in the whole season. Yep. Yeah, and they had Darius Thompson. They had really Darius Thompson and, and Rokas Gedraitis. And these are the two players that left. And look Nikos Rogopoulos is not playing, we're basically. Yeah. And Cody Miller McIntyre, you know, he has his own limitations. Nico Mannion still needs, you know, time to get back to his Italian national team and Tokyo Olympics shape. So, so yeah. How desperate are you when you're um, down 10 and you're playing a lineup with Mannion and Howard and you're playing switch all defense? You're pretty desperate at that time. <laughs> and just to round up this topic about the head coaching changes, what would be your guess uh, since 2017, which teams made the most coaching changes? Since 2017? Yeah. Like well, six years. Basconia has to be one of the, one of those teams. Basconia and Zvezda. Zvezda. 
and you're missing one one team. Okay. Um, Actually, two teams. Okay, let's see. Yeah. Correct. And Fener. not Valencia. Not uh, not Maccabi. Maccabi. Mm, not Maccabi. Maccabi actually is one of the best organizations for head coaches. Only with three um, head coaching change since who, 2017. Who could it I'm not counting only interim. It, let's 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 stop here for a minute. Only with Maccabi is one of the best organizations for head coaches, uh, and you say only with three coaching cha in changes six years, which means every two years they have a new head coach that's the european basketball that's the reality that sounds so bad that's man. the reality of professional sports in europe yeah yeah, yeah. if I a know, coach I'm, I'm works saying it's good. works two back-to-back -back seasons in the same organization it's already uh, uh, treated as success that's For, the world we're living in right yeah. now first five game losing streak the door yep. is right there so one more right yeah um and not Fenerbahce. Nope. Virtus? They're close, but but now okay, I will help you. Partizan. Because we kind of we have this, you know, shield of Jelko Bradovic. But I before him there were a lot of changes. I wasn't focusing on them that changes. much because because they were like they weren't in the Euro League. So they were in the Euro Cup, they didn't have yeah. this big budget. Uh at, I, I I remember they started some nice project with Trinkieri, but it, it didn't really last long. Mm. So Panikos had I would say seven, eight head coach changes since 2017. Uh, Zvezda, eight. Partizan, seven. And again, I tried not to include those interim coaches, but in some situations, the you know interim coach suddenly uh, takes over the team until the end of the season for a few months. So I kind of counted them in as well. Basconia, six uh, coaching changes. And among the best organizations for head coaches, we actually have FS because you know Ataman was working there for mm -hmm. six years. Uh, so they have two coaches. Milan since 2017, only two coaches. Uh, Alba Berlin, two coaching two coaches. two coaches, and Olympiakos, uh, mm -hmm. two coaches after David Blatt left and then Jorgos Barsogas took over. I didn't include Kemzura because he worked there for like one month. Or I should have included him, but I tried to be very... Did he work on an interim coach status or, or was It was it? very tricky. He started on I... an interim coach, but he left like in a month or two, so I didn't okay. count him in. Fair. And Madrid, two coaching changes. So these are the For best. Forced coaching changes. Yeah. That basically wouldn't have happened. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, there are... At least a couple of games we have to discuss more in depth. And we will go with Panthnaikos Maccabi and Olympiakos Partizan. But before we start analyzing those games uh, more in depth, let's put this elephant out of the room. What do you think about the referees and officiating in those two games? Because there were a lot of action on Twitter. Uh, of course. Refereeing, officiating is something that you will always find reasons to complain, but these these were a little bit, I would say, exceptional uh, cases. Probably for the first time, I'm going to say that the refs really changed the outcome of that Partizan and Olympia cause game. Mm. I mean, you know, Kevin Punter, like Thomas Walkup steps on Kevin on Kevin's shoe for two times, and he doesn't get a foul called and Kevin Punter, before passing the ball, he doesn't touch the half court, 
So it's not like a half court violation and it's the ball yeah. for Olympia cost. So I thought that was a huge, you know, huge, no foul, huge, no backward violation. No foul, no backward violation. It was a huge. And it I was just know. one of the plays. It Before, was one of the plays. I had this mm -hmm. strange feeling about my luggage foul on Papa Nicolau that also mm. cost a partisan two free throws for Olympiacos. And there was another moment. I just don't remember which one, but I had like free plays, very, very questionable. And these were like free consecutive plays. But what made Partizan fans mad when I tweeted that I didn't like officiating both ways because, you know, I turned the game in the fourth quarter, there are two minutes left, and basically play after play, there are very questionable calls. I mean, I'm not saying mistakes uh, for sure, because you have to watch the replay, you have to analyze it with the referees, because, you know, I'm not the expert at that. But it started with two consecutive Olympiago situations where Papa Nicolau was hit by Ken Punter in, in his face. I thought that it was an offensive foul. Uh, and oh, but that was a game situation. Like, I, I, I didn't think that was a foul. I think for, so. Mm -mm. It was like, I think it, he I, was, Kevin was driving and their hands were tangling together and yeah. he just like doing a completely move, you know, basketball move going towards the rim and he but at the same time so you hit the face of the player and he couldn't continue his defensive let's say effort so i think it, it impacts the play mm, and, i don't know you know hitting into the face is, is not kind of allowed but I, or tolerated. even on do you did, did you did you see the contact on the replay yeah yeah because I, for me it was kind of unclear i don't know maybe i was yeah. watching wrong but i don't know i i, I mean it was a you don't need a big contact when you slap somebody mm. With your hand. Okay, you maybe know. maybe you're right. Yeah, but and, like, and there was the following play where I thought again there were no close replays with close looks, but I thought when Nigel William Goss took a it was a jumper from the free throw line and he was contested by Kevin Punter, I really thought that KP touched his elbow and you know mm -hmm. when you touch your elbow it's not like you need a big contact you know it just putting the hand on the elbow, it changes the shot dramatically. And I think that Goss tried to show it to the referees, but nobody noticed that. And I thought that, you know, that was a foul and it was important play. And after that, you know, there were three consecutive uh, questionable calls where I was like, that's why I put this tweet. You know, I'm, I wasn't the fan officiating and I didn't like officiating both ways because, you know, that's the main difference between being a fan and a, let's say not only journalist, just a basketball, basketball fan in general, not supporting Partizan or Olympiacos. I was not happy with of the officiating because it damaged the whole quality of the entire game. And for me, it doesn't matter uh, mm. if there's, if, I don't need to be a judge which team was affected by those <laughs> mistakes or, or anything. The whole outcome of the game, the whole end of the game was already affected. And I'm, you know, disappointed as a basketball fan because the quality of the product was affected. That's what I tried to put on Twitter, but of course I got some backlash from Partizan fans. So I think, you know, in this topic, you could go, yeah, how, about, how about that call, you know, where punter hits his face uh, yeah. bump and, and you don't call it, but then I can go back, but how about, you know, or a Partizan fan can go back, you know, oh, but what about that? Yeah. Yeah. Another yeah. call. And Never then you can go game. back, you can find like 20 clips like this, where it's like, Mm, it's a 50-50 and it was definitely decided a lot by the referees. And even I, I thought I was surprised really in the end when Walkup uh, steals the ball from punter from behind and there was no foul called. Like when you play basketball and when you try to reach the ball from behind, it's so often, even if you don't make contact with 
only with the ball, it gets called a foul because this is like nine times out of ten. Nine yeah, times yeah. out of ten, and this is the situation in the overtime where the game is like on the line. Mm -hmm. I was really surprised to not see uh, a foul called there, <laughs> and there was also some movement with between between their legs. So yeah, it was it was a really tough game for the referees overall. But I think. But I think both teams really played great. I just did not understood. Uh, I just didn't understand Olympiakos' defense uh, in that last possession when they were up three. It was like ridiculous oh. defense to me. It was just a you know huge mistake. You know that mental break. Up in the cloud. Me not think, not no. only him. But like weird things. Like you are down free, and you are not. Mustafa Fall is not guarding anyone. Is really back after free throws, standing into the paint. He's not guarding anyone when you know that Partizan is going to are going to shoot a three pointer, so that was weird. Uh, the first the first thing, and then Papu Nicolaou is fronting the guy, and then not going back to defense, leaving a five v four situation. Yeah. Then Lorenzakis try the, trying there to go for a steal probably because he thinks punter is going to do a cross court pass, and it all this all completely meant. Big mental breakdown leaves uh, James not only wide open. The worst guy to be open on the corner. Absolutely, and you know, I was I was really surprised by that by that defense by Olympia cause, but in the end, hey, they got the they they got the victory, so everything ended well for them. But but it was not unnecessary, definitely for them to play overtime. Mm. What about Paul and Maccabi? You didn't what see that game either. Mm -hmm. No, I, I actually w was busy commentating Monaco. Yeah, on both occasions. I don't know. You said um, you did Monaco not, or Angelgiris actually. Yeah, you did not understood that foul on 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 Lizor. Yeah, I was again. It. I'm not the expert, so I just kind of felt weird that you know it was a he got the call. Mm. I don't know. I didn't see, you know, anything, anything that bad. To get a foul with seven seconds left. Okay, but maybe I didn't notice some side contacts or something, but I don't know. Okay, I I agree that probably Sorkin, you know, exaggerated a little bit the contact. I think could have been the case. I yeah. think contact. There was some contact, but why the hell do you need to go for the problem for starts an offensive not rebound? Not with the officiating, but with the Matthias Lazor making this move. You are up by two. They miss a free throw. You you miss a free throw. Why do you need to go for an offensive rebound when there is seven seconds left? If Sorkin catches the basketball, he needs to give it to the point guard. There are no live ball timeouts. So it's like five and a half seconds left when the point guard starts dribbling. And with all the defense, all the players standing, you know, around the three point line, it's really hard to go all the way coast to coast and get yeah. a really nice look, even with five seconds remaining. So you just let Sorkin get the rebound and you live with the results. You know, you don't need to go for this it's not even a 50 50 ball it's like 20 80 ball yeah not for your team so okay you might challenge you might try to get an offensive rebound but not that kind of yeah. that aggressive i think there's no Matthias point I, I i saw the, the the situation i think there's no point to even go for the offensive mm -hmm. rebound. Yeah, yeah you miss the free throw and just rush back to defense and that's it you can meet your opponents uh, at half court to mm -hmm. basically stop them for a second with and, and a second in this situation already means a lot. It's huge. You don't need to even go there for an offensive rebound. You don't need to risk it. There's no need to have any sort of contact. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can discuss whether it, it's a foul or not, mm -hmm. but it definitely yeah. wasn't a smart move by, by Lesor. 
as I mentioned you guys before the podcast, it really brought me back to the 2004 Maccabi and Dragic game where Tanaka Bird made this unnecessary uh, try. <laughs> but he needed the rebound. rebound, man. He needed those stats. Yeah. That costed them <laughs> the violation and their sharp three point. And then er everyone slaughtering uh, the guy for missing yeah. free throws, you know? Yeah. So that man. was tough. But there was another situation. Did you have a closer look at Nebo's offensive rebounds? Didn't he stepped into the pain before Sarkin, Sarkin uh, mm. threw the ball out? Let's rewind the situation. Yeah, we can, we I can mean, do it very quick. Quick replay, huh? The last shot that the that, last uh, that got back. into overtime. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was crucial because Sorkin. Okay, they were down by two. Sorkin has two free throws. He missed yeah. the first one, so they, you know, yeah, had to yeah. miss the second one. I, and uh, again, I'm not an expert, but I really thought that Nebo stepped into hey, the pain. Hey, man, I, I I remember that, and 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 I get what you're saying. The ball is Sorkin. The ball is still in Sorkin's hands, it, and yeah. Nebo has one foot inside. You're probably right, but. These referees are doing such a hard job, and when yeah. when we're talking about crucial free throws, it it's so hard for yeah. them to focus and to see that one step. Did he step in too early or not? Uh, let's take Mikhail Bridges' mir miraculous shot from uh, the World Cup. I mean, mm. yeah, it was clear there was also a violation. There could, was not could, a violation actually. No, I discussed it with the referees, and they saw it was all fine. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, then even because better. he didn't uh, went over the line, he didn't stepped in. He, okay, uh, and it was well, right if he, timing. If he didn't go over, the, but okay. But that's again Lo looking at the replays. It, yeah, to, to yeah. all of us, it seemed like he did. But but okay, it even better. So they didn't even make a mistake yeah, yeah. In, in in that situation. But it's so hard to expect. I mean, it's easy to expect the referee to blow yeah. a whistle for for uh, illegal step uh, during the free throw yeah. in the middle of the second quarter. But in the crunch time, uh, uh, they're doing a tough job. I wouldn't be so mm. hard on them for for this one, mm. honestly. Yeah. I mean, I know that Panikos fans will disagree, and they will say that it's a huge mistake and and all that. And, and I'm still waiting for my. It's early in the season, but I'm still waiting for my Twitter moment, which will end up uh, in a huge beef with some Serbian or, or Greek fans. It hasn't happened uh, yet, yeah. but it's definitely coming. You know, it's one of those <laughs> things like with uh, Tervena Zvezda firing a coach early and it is getting bad messages. Oh, it's it's going to happen eventually. <laughs> it's going to be some innocent tweet about about something that happened on the court or off the court and it will blow up. And I will definitely get into <clears throat> all those beefs because I do respond <laughs> to everyone. That's probably why they write you. They know you will respond. Anyway, I thought maybe getting giving kudos to some players that played very well in these games. Before or, the last, oh, the last play, there is one ejection. Ataman's ejection. You are getting a second technical after a review that the referees made. So, is there much to talk about? Actually, really, can you have any empathy? Like why? Uh, so there, w uh, there was a review. I get that yeah. you're complaining, so you're getting the review, and the and the referee watched the replays and made a decision. For quite you, some time. You, they watched did, the did you watch the replays? Yeah. Did you have the same angles that the referee did? And to be honest, when I watched the game, uh, when I watched the replay, at first I thought that I mean that was clear unsportsmanlike foul because you know there was some action that stopped uh, Mitoglu from you know uh, full sprinting uh, for a layup. And you know, if 
there was no review, I would understand why Ataman was, was mad and I would say, hey, the, the guy was right, the game is rigged and you know, uh, you're like Mafia and all this stuff. <laughs> but then when I watched the replay, again, I'm not an expert, but I really thought that Mitoglu mm. just left his hand somewhere on Cohen, I think. Uh, yeah, there was Jay Cohen there. On Cohen's shoulder or somewhere, and he kind of initiated that strange contact that didn't went anywhere. And you know, it was a normal foul call. There was some kind of contact, but no unsportsmanlike action. So after watching the review for like two or three minutes, we have to trust two referees officiating yeah, the sure. early game. Mm -hmm. So, it's, I mean, it it's was absurd a to even mental, have this discussion after huge, a review. Yeah, a huge it, mental uh, mistake by, you know, yeah. from coaching standpoint. When you have one technical already, so you know that you're out. We're not talking about football where even after a review you will have discussions because uh, these are so difficult interpretations. In basketball, I think the criteria is pretty clear what is an unsportsmanlike foul and what isn't. So after a review, there shouldn't be too much complaining, in my opinion. Anyway, it's it's nice having this referee inspector segment in our podcast. Of course. Finally. <laughs> time from time, yeah. we have this yes. uh, round four, it's, right? Instead, so it's instead not of, bad. Instead of breaking, breaking down teams, uh, analyzing player performances or stuff like that, we do referee inspection. Yeah, that's that's great. That's so, healthy from time. Oh, no, that's really nice. It. I love it. Um, <laughs> when I watch basketball, all I want is to focus on the referee and and see what he's doing. That's that's my passion. Uh, what were you focused the most uh, regarding the players? Regarding those, the players or games. some things or I some loved. Things. Uh, first of all, I loved how Partizan, you know, came back. I think in the third quarter, uh, they used my luggage eleven points in a row. Uh, there, they had a 22 to four run in the third quarter. Um, basically, just attacking Mustafa Fall with pick and pops in a variety of ways. So he scored 11 points, and this was probably the one of the quickest Barzaka substitutions I have seen in a while because he subbed out uh, Mustafa Fall after four minutes only in the third quarter. It's not like he brought in, you know. A really different type of flair. It was Nikola Milutinov, but he's still a little bit more mobile, and and, and uh, so it helped to stop uh, the run. But I thought Smilagic showed what he's capable of. But it was classical Alan Smilagic performance. He scores a bunch of points. He gets a bunch of fouls in the in the same time period. So there was nothing new there. But I thought you know the way he moves for a center, it's really it's really special. Uh, hoping for a breakout season for him said it in the podcast before the season, so he really showed in this game what he is capable of. Um, but Olympiacos, you know, they they kept doing their thing, they kept running their offense, and in the end it was their Spain pick and roll that Partizan couldn't cope with. Um, a lot of miscommunications defensively, a lot of players going to help, and it's just all chaos all around in defense, and that what cost them the game. Larenzakis. There was Larenzakis as well. Larenzakis fourth quarter happened. You know, we we were used to it last year, and it happened again. Fifteen it, points in the fourth quarter. It helped that he got fouled twice, really unnecessary by PJ Dozier. Uh, there was one situation where he was wide open in the corner. PJ, you know, was going for a closeout and touched his legs a little bit. So that was he touched his twos basically. That was not a lot of stupid contact. contact. Stupid yeah. contact, yeah. Not touch his two. I mean, you should see the play. Feet. I mean, he feet. said legs. He said two. 
uh, toes you want to say, right? Yeah, sorry, okay. sorry for the bad I'm, I'm listening like, toes. Yeah. There's, my bad. there's quite my a gap. Bad. Never <laughs> broken English moments <laughs> coming from me. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we're not was, native speakers. And then there was one another unnecessary foul by Dozier on, on, on Larry. And it was actually, Darius Garuales came up to, today with another really nice fact. Mm, three partisan players filed out in under 20 minutes of playing. And this is the first time in 12 years when three, three players fouled out in under 20 minutes. Because my luggage played 15, Dozier played close to 10 minutes and Kaminsky played only 16 minutes. All of them fouled out in this game. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, to my luggage and Kaminsky, I can understand why, because you so have... So you just add some... You make the situation even more spicy for Partizan fans to be unhappy with the officiating. Hey, you know, Smilag is getting four fouls in nine minutes. There is nothing It happens new. in every and game, basically. Kaminsky in this game was, you know, he tried to respond with pick and pop threes, but you have to guard uh, Milutino for Mustafa foul for some moments. So that's not, you know, a dream opponent for Frank Kaminsky. And from from another game, I thought Costas and Tetokounmpo played very well and and sparked uh, Panathinaikos run. Uh, let's say in the, in the second quarter, got some really efficient minutes: twelve and a half minutes, ten points, three blocks, fifteen efficiency, six fouls drawn. I thought he was really you know one of the first games in a season when and he's really impactful. Mitoglu. After not playing the EuroLeague for almost two years, he had a really sol solid performance. His numbers were good, 11 points, uh, five rebounds, but what I loved, his energy and his effort, the way he changed the game in some crucial situations, stealing the balls. We discussed this unsportsmanlike uh, mm -hmm. situation. That was a situation where he also stole the ball, but it, in the fourth quarter, he also made some, 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 he had some great plays. So huge uh, impact from his side and he's just going to get better. He's coming off the injury. He's coming off not having any basketball rhythm for that kind of uh, stretch. So that will be a huge factor uh, for Pantnaikos. Not that it's most the most important, you know, stats, but his plus minus also was the best in the team, plus eight in twenty six minutes played. So, you know, without mm. him, they were kind of but going down. But man, when you think about Maccabi and the conditions they have to go through uh, and to play in the Euroleague, they basically didn't play any game for more than a week. Half of the team was in Cyprus, half stayed in Tel Aviv before joining them. Then you're trying to practice in those kind of circumstances and we're not just talking about the physical things uh, you know that there's just half of the team training you should talk about the mental things and challenges that they, they might face you know having 700 security personal inside games you know uh, you even you know if you feel secure but you see so much security around you you might start feeling insecure because why you need like that yeah. kind of uh, I, I didn't feel very secure in, in in chinese hotel where there was usually a guard with an ak-47 yeah in every floor <laughs> on every on every floor yeah, yeah because you kind of feel <laughs> safe over there but why you should bring him here so you know it's it, it's not easy for it's these tough players to see how they will last the whole season mm -hmm. definitely my uh statement before the season and the power rankings now goes to the trash bin. It's it's hard to believe they, they could be a number two seed. And at the moment, I think what is in question is whether they can play the whole season. Uh, yeah. And and on top of that, they're playing without Wade Baldwin. Exactly. So you can add these circumstances, then there's no Wade Baldwin. 
And they were close to get that win in Valencia, and they won the game in Oaxaca. Come on, it's it's tough. And yeah. some performances uh, of of the players. I mean, they were closing games uh, games with Tamir Blatt, with 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 Cohen, and I loved how Bonzi Colson performed in this double week. I think that he had uh, uh, consecutive twenty plus uh, performances in both games, and he, he his presence was huge against Panathinaikos. So, coming I mean, kudos uh, to this team, to the coaching staff, to the players for what they have to go through and the performance they deliver under these circumstances. In half empty Oaxaca, though. Uh, I was for some reason. I was surprised to see so many empty seats there. I don't know why it happened. What they lost a couple of games and all of a sudden it's no people. I'm not sure. Anyway, Bonzi Carlson is taking you know the best time replacing you know injured Wade Baldwin. Not that he's replacing him in the same position, but just you know he's super happy with the increased usage usage rate. He's averaging almost 18 points per game with by shooting 21% from the three-point range. So imagine if he starts getting his frees and he's getting pretty good looks, you know, with with Lorenzo there and with Josh Nebo being the threats uh, on the pick, on the pick and roll. So 69% from two. Uh, he's adding in 6.3 rebounds. You know, we we always know he's active on the offensive glass. He averages almost two two rebounds there. I'm pretty surprised to see he has no assists. In ninety minutes of, on in eighty nine minutes of action. So, but overall, he's he's been he's been excellent. Yeah, but he has that potential. Maybe he wasn't so consistent last season, but he definitely has the potential to be in the yeah. same discussions mm -hmm. with with uh, Deck, Clyburn, and other great forwards that we have in Euroleague. So many people waited so long to see him finally mm -hmm. in the Euroleague. You know, he was balling out in the Champions League yeah. for quite. Couple of years winning, you know, hitting game winners, hitting game winners, getting those everything. accolades, MVP, yeah. first team, top score, you know, uh, you name it. So it's good to see him now on the biggest stage doing more or less the same thing. 6,451 people in uh, Oaxaca. Wow. I didn't You, you said it's so silent. What to to replicate the atmosphere in Oaxaca versus really. Maccabi? <laughs> That's unexpected. Uh, anyway, since we mentioned Wade Baldwin, there was although he was not playing, he put himself on the spotlight by spotlight tweeting. Uh, there was some list. I don't remember who tweeted it. Maybe it was NBA reporter. Baldwin stop. So they tweeted the best available free agents that are not in the league, but they should deserve their roster spot yeah. for sure. And Wade Bolvin quoted that tweet and put this line. Uh, Wade Bolvin, the best guard in your league and overwhelming, <laughs> overwhelming best two way guard in all your league per the 22-23 season statistics. Combining points, second in the league, assists, top 10, and PAR, fourth best efficiency in the entire league. Carry on. <laughs> And uh, if I'm correct, <laughs> later he deleted that tweet. Mm. Mm, do you think? What, what do you think about this whole situation? Do you think he's the <laughs> best uh, two-way guard in the Euroleague? League? Did he did it right? Did he, he delete it later? He definitely has the potential to be the best, to be the MVP, to be everything. I mean, he was my preseason uh, one of my. Bold predictions preseason was that Wade Baldwin is going to be the MVP this year. Oh, okay. So the way he played, the, yeah, the way the he played second the second half, part of the last yeah. season, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, agree. He was the best guard in the league at that time. 
And that, that was the best duo in the league at the time with him and Lorenzo. So it's not a crazy statement from no. his side, but yeah. also at the same time, we're talking about Wade Baldwin from the second part of the last season. But if we talk about Wade Baldwin from Basconia or, or, or pre-Trinchieri Wade Baldwin, let's say, you wouldn't have s such thoughts. Like he he's the guy who's going to be the best guard in the league, but he does have this potential. If he stays consistent, yeah. if he stays injury free, uh, and is it necessary for him to put out these statements on his own? <laughs> he got bored. I, not I'm playing, not sure. You know? <laughs> I, there's no harm in it. First of all, <laughs> it's 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 funny. It, maybe I like it in in, in some way. Uh, I could go out there and and let's say uh, put some arguments why I see him as the as as the best guard at the moment. I'm not fully convinced he is, let's say, the best by a gap because there are so many great guards in the league and and one week you're thinking this guy's the the best and then the other week all somebody else drops a, a double double with 25 points and 12 assists or something like that so but uh, okay man um I, I, I wouldn't take it too seriously his team won he he just <laughs> wanted to say something he, he everyone he, he was probably bored and then you know yeah it was it was a funny message, but uh, although I'm not I'm not sure if he you know he meant it you know to be funny, but he wrote it carry on, so that's like carry on like Kendrick, Kendrick Perkins, Perkins style. <laughs> that makes it funny. But like, but also there's an interesting point. We're talking about let's say a two way player, so he doesn't mm. really have any uh, size limitations. He doesn't lack athleticism. There's no reason why he couldn't be a great two way player. Mm. offensively and defensively uh, so yeah and th that's a good point because do we have any any guard that is as athletic as Wade Baldwin is in EuroLeague right no, now I don't, I don't think, think so. so I don't really think so yeah but yeah. would you would you imagine yourself writing about yourself in third person for example Aritis Visnauskas the best commentator of EuroLeague uh, and overwhelmingly the best two-way commentator and analyst <laughs> in all EuroLeague. Pair <laughs> 22, 23 season statistics and you check all the statistics of you. Well, 23-year-old me, six beers in, could do something like that. 33-year-old me... Uh, that, that's why I thought it was just no, funny. Hey, you know, there's so. nothing wrong to be different, man. And you know, you cannot take away that confidence from Wade Baldwin. The confidence that he has maybe made uh, him the player that he is right now. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, urging for those kind of tweets on Twitter from our EuroLeague stars. It just makes the whole social media activity among the nothing EuroLeague wrong. way more interesting. We have yeah. some content to talk about. So it just it just act, adds extra to the nothing, way that we Nothing do. wrong, but just why he deleted it, you know. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe some grammar mistakes and he just <laughs> didn't, didn't want it to Whatever. be there. <laughs> Let's carry on, guys, I think. Uh, I think that the following topic that we have to discuss is related to something that uh, Wade Baldwin also uh, tweeted. We released the first part of the player survey that we had on Basket, Basket News. Uh we had 23 EuroLeague players who filled the survey. Of course, the expectations were higher, but not everyone were <laughs> so much involved, unfortunately, because in some cases, players just don't want to participate. In other cases, players are used to forget some things uh, uh, that they're asked to do, even if you repeat them, them t twice, but no bad feelings. Uh, I believe that in the future, we will have more and more players uh, to, to participate in those surveys, but it's always, interesting 
to hear what they think, how they see some situations. And I shared the survey results with you guys. The part one is already available on basketnews.com. Uh, it was related to best offseason moves, your league changes that uh, league could do, your league goat uh, conversation, uh, best teammate player to team up with or the best current yearly player. The second part, which will be, I would say, a bit spicy about positives and negatives, like most overrated EuroLeague players or most underrated EuroLeague players, the coaches you would least like to play for or the coaches you would love to play for the most. Uh, what answers, what responses, what results uh, left you some some interesting thoughts, impressions or, or reactions? From the second part? From both. Uh, From both. I mean, ranking... Tavares and Milutinov as two best players in the league. That was a bit surprising mm -hmm. to me. Especially the Milutinov part. Mm -hmm. I mean, only Europeans participated, right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because in some hey. cases, you could say that only Americans from, have participated. Uh, from, they were from just, what I saw. Uh, were they just voting for center position? Only yeah. center position? They were picking <laughs> only from centers, right? <laughs> Yeah. I'm on Reed's actually side. I I was really surprised to see no, Milutinov sharing the first place. Yeah. Like I, re I there, he's sorry, an amazing was player, mistake. but it was Mirotic, not Milutinov. There was a you know mistake. That's quite a mistake. Oh, yeah, there okay. was a mistake. Okay. That is quite a mistake, man. It's good you mentioned. It's good you mentioned. <laughs> oh my god! It was Tavares and Mirotic. <laughs> that is just a small difference, you know. There's no? a couple yeah. of letters, so there. But you know, we saw the same it's thing. Cool. <laughs> it's, it's cool. It's cool. I. <laughs> 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 yeah, okay. and, and Vilutinov is great. I mean, I'm, I don't have anything. I was him, surprised, but, you know, seeing him sharing the first place with over Mike and over uh, every guard okay, in the league. Okay, Mirotic, fair, fair. Uh, although this thing with Tavares being treated as the best player in the league, it, it gives me so many mixed feelings. Like one morning I could wake up and, and agree with this, <laughs> yeah. with this take, and, and the other morning I, I I won't because like. Well, he's a center that has huge impact on the game. But if you take Tavares from Real Madrid and put him in a mediocre team, he wouldn't be such a huge difference maker. If you take um, Mike James from Monaco but and put him on a, on a mediocre team, he makes no? them much better. Yeah. That's, so, that's a never-ending discussion. And I, and I know, and I, and I love it. That's that's what sparks all these conversations and all that. And that's why I prefer to rank players by position. Because mm. to me, the basketball is mm. being ran by, by, by guards, by creators. And... Uh, yeah. Usually, when you when you think about the best players, you think about those who create. And we had those serious discussions about the MVP when Mirotic won the MVP that year, and there yeah. was Mike James in the conversation, and there was this, the same argument: if you put Mirotic to any other team, would he make the same impact, or you know, did having that roster help him to reach those results? Both personal accolades. Yeah. Well, and I think scoring -wise. scoring wise, Mirotic is a machine. Uh, but you know yeah, the argument so, was that Mike James made a bigger impact on the rest of the team, you know, compared to the personal that he had around. So yeah, it's it's a never-ending discussion and any conversation basically. Yeah, and you yeah. have to rank players, and especially in Euroleague, where it's 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 really hard to to say who's the best player uh, in the league. To me, it was what, what was interesting, you know, those rules that players would love to see, you know, added to the game and. First four places, let's say, who had similar amount of votes was live ball timeouts. I would love this yeah. to be added, you know, for sure. Yeah. Like, it would increase the number no of game winners. 
the drama. We would not be talking about the refs so much. We would be talking about the last shots or the last defenses that were so amazing because, you know, you can advance the ball. Uh, but I was surprised to see increase in personal fouls and defensive three-second violation rules and challenging. So you basically these three rules would make EuroLeague more like NBA and less than less like, you know, mm. European style. So I'm not sure. No, I think we have a pretty good product, let's say mm. basketball-wise, and I'm not sure we need to be going in, into that direction. Mm. Like I think live ball, live ball timeouts would already be enough to make even more drama in the European game yeah. and more game winners. And this is what actually sells, you know, and actually attracts people to, to watch. Mm. I actually like the increase in the personal fouls because I just have this like memory that I remember games where very important players, decisive players of some teams were benched due to getting early into the foul trouble after, I would say, questionable calls, small contact, some, you know, unlucky situations. And as a fan of the products, of the quality basketball, I don't like, you know, my star players sitting on the bench. I, I know that but it, happens th also it can in the create NBA some loopholes. I, I know that it can mm, But the open best players, do they, do they foul out, you mean? Not that. Because they are often. usually on the help side. And not, especially, not, you know, not that's defense, you we know. remember the season where I think it was FS and Barca playing over time and you have Shane Larkin fouled out in some stupid situation, potentially after following the referee's mistake. I think the same happened with Mirotic. So, you know, I just had too many bad memories about good players fouling out in situations where it was not that kind of necessary, mm -hmm. starting from the referee's decision, uh, approaching some contact. So, you know, a little bit more flexibility in personal fouls will help those cases. But of course, I agree that it can open a Pandora box for 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 some different usage of this uh, mm -hmm. rule. Change. Some other interesting things I could mention is that 84% of those responded wouldn't want to play for either Ataman or <laughs> Dusko Ivanovic. Well, you're not going to play for Dusko. <laughs> now no, Ivanovic is out, but... Uh, I guess how many Zvezda players participated in this? Jako just Bosconia players. Okay, yeah. Mo most overrated player and okay, the Slukas twenty percent. This was, this was interesting. Lasor, uh, and I, I, I could actually uh, understand the arguments for let's say Brzdekas or Lesor, why uh, some people could vote for them as being overrated, and I could agree with some of those arguments probably. <laughs> but to me, it's funny to see that. Uh, Yamadar is in top four. Yamadar and Oscar de Silva also got some votes. He was mentioned. There uh, might be some like, friend of his, uh, <laughs> of his that how is he overrated? Tried to joke or how, something. how is he overrated, man? Come on. That's why my question uh, to after seeing these results was: Was it according to their salary? Oh or yeah, public opinion on them because I thought it's mm -hmm. it's. Absolutely on salary because Lucas is number yeah. one, Brasdakis, Yamadar, and the Silva. I think Brasdakis' case was different. You mm -hmm. know, there were these names like Mike James, Kendrick Nunn, and suddenly you end up signing Brasdakis, and maybe some thought that oh, he's not worth of that buyout or that salary. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was the case. So maybe that, that's, that's, that's some like, uh, and it was uh, some uh, recency uh, bias as well. You know, the poll, the survey happened at the same time when Olympiagos made this move. So Alba Berlin player uh, was voting for his former teammate Oscar da Silva as underrated because he's thinking, I should have signed with Barca. <laughs> Why did they sign him? We are 0-4 and they are 4-0. Oh. 
Yeah, worst away city to visit. Underrated Euroleague Andy player Jordan. stars. That that's what I like. I mean, Keenan Evans, mm-hmm. Jordan Lloyd, definitely two guards that deserve Absolutely. more recognition than they get. Yeah, and even mentions especially Jordan mentions. Lloyd after being yeah. ranked as as thirtieth yeah. best player in the Euroleague by by a previous survey. Yeah, Mustafa Fall also got multiple mentions, which I agree with Gabriel Deck, although he's getting his recognition already. Yeah. Uh, Biggest fighter, hustler. Nothing really surprising. A good list: Butkavichus, John Brown, Walkup. Walk these these Solid. are the names you could come up with on the spot if somebody stops you on the street and says, "Hey, guy, who are the <laughs> best fighters in the in the Euroleague?" And you would probably throw these names. And then it's like in the mentions: Larenzakis, Shengelia, Campazzo, Branko Lazic, of course. Yeah, Kyle uh, Hines, Nebo, Ponitka. Like Nebo yeah. going for that offensive rebound that we talked about earlier in this podcast so i i was a bit surprised that campasso actually made the top two in the dirtiest year league player list Ooh, that, that's, and that's no surprise Kalinish. man like he's holding you every yeah. time he's playing defense he's mm-hmm. so into your body he's uh, annoying he's so quick I think he's the prime example so is 2019 world cup mm. <laughs> he was getting under everybody's skin he got under the colo skin in in, in the semi-final i mean Pazzo is definitely he's he imagine imagine having to play against a guard who is faster than you yeah he's so uh you know strong with his body and it's like you are trying to go around him and to uh, you know yeah push away his uh, push away his arms and he's just in front of you and he's also and his so arms are locked still in mentally yeah that's he's yeah. so annoying to play I, I love it that you got him to vote for the best referee <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, there were so many funny responses, actually. Like, none of the referees are, are good uh, enough to be ranked in this thing. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know names. I, I think th- you should there have... pretty frequent you, responses. You should have named this nomination not the best referee, but the least worst referee. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The like, most likable like, referee. Uh, less worse than the others. Uh, I, I thought about... Slightly better than all the rest. I thought about, you know, making a case for the worst referee, but I thought that they are already getting too much pressure, so just let's just keep them doing their job yeah, without poor, the, being in these surveys. Mm. Uh, regarding Ataman, I mean, it's either you love him or hate him because he was the top two with Dushko Ivanovic. He tied for the first place among the coaches players would least like to play for. And then in the uh, yearly coaches that you 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 would most like to play for, Ataman was among the mentions as mm. well. So it's it's very easy to explain, actually. If I was in players' position, voting, uh, uh, filling that survey, mm, the coach you would least like to play for. Mm, what are these coaches that I read in the media had six-hour practices uh, <laughs> recently? Uh, Dushko, Ergin, okay, these two. <laughs> yeah, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Uh, and actually, Pablo Lasso ranked first uh, over Jelko Bradovic and the coaches among you would like to most play for Lasso, Bradovic, and Itudis. Penroya got multiple votes. Mm. Maybe some former Basconia Just players. Some good feedback. <laughs> yeah. Did Darius Thompson complete this? Mm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I just sent the survey to oh, a lot of players. Know. I'm not sure who responded. So mm. Anonymous. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So there were a lot of interesting answers and you can check all of them on basketnews.com. We will publish the part two soon as well as the part three with the predictions for the EuroLeague winners, uh, all EuroLeague team, final four teams, breakout candidates and some other uh, situations. Uh, going closer to the end, 
let's discuss. We we had this topic in the beginning, but Asphalt Villarban made their uh, move with TJ Parker. They fired yeah. him as well. But there's another case that I wanted to discuss with you guys. Uh, I was a little bit shocked when I checked the last uh, the the game they won the last time in the Euroleague, and I was shocked to see that they actually lost 17 games in a row, and it dates back as to January 26th, mm -hmm. actually, the last time they won the game in the Euroleague, and it was actually against Fenerbahce. Again, they were up yeah. by in double digits uh, in, in Istanbul, but managed to, to lose that game in the second half. And, you know, it's not the first time we have this question watching Alba Berlin, Asphalt Villarban, some maybe some other teams at the bottom of the standings, and them watching them not being competitive or not mm. participating in those top eight conversations. So, if you were in charge in the Euroleague, what you would do with clubs, organizations like that, you know, to make Euroleague product product better? Are you okay I, with that? I, I I don't know, man. I mean, can I force a team to build a better roster or sign a better coach or or, or do anything like that and to force them to be more competitive? I mean, you, or you're you, looking you, for you, a replacement well, okay, for... You, you strip away their license and replace them with someone else like Paris, for example. I don't, but, mm, I mean, okay, so you don't have a system uh, which works on merit, where if you lose, yeah. you, you drop out. If you win, you stay. So since you don't have that system... What do you do? Do you react to losing streaks and just kick teams out of the Euroleague? Like when Jalgiris was dead last, should they react in the same way? Like Jalgiris is not competitive this season. Uh, okay, I, okay. So maybe Asphalt Villarban, uh, they sign veterans like the Colo, like Laverne. Like if if you're like uh, the CEO of the league, it's not for you to judge who's making good moves in the market and who's not making good moves in the market. And then in the end, they end up losing a lot of games. Uh, okay, so now they fired a coach. Now they fired uh, T.G. Parker. Maybe we will see some improvements. I don't know. They has a lot of patience with T.G. Parker. They probably didn't see the progress they wanted. Uh, in EuroLeague, you're, you're not tanking. There's no point in losing games. It's not NBA. So... Of course, Asphalt would like to win more games, but they're just not 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 strong enough to do that or whatever. Uh, maybe you can start adding some limitations. What should be not the ceiling, but the floor? Uh, I'm talking about money you spend on player salaries. Like in that way, you you force teams to sign more expensive players and to spend more money, but they need to have the budget. Probably Euroleague at one point believed in Tony Parker's project and believed that maybe Asphalt is actually merging with Olympique Lyon with the football club and they will have more money and they will be the French team that they needed in the league at the time. Now there's Monaco representing the French league. And, and now we're thinking about Paris. Uh, they're doing well in the Euro Cup and it seems like they have enough ambition. And the, and the same regarding Alba Berlin. I mean, okay, I, I think last season they... Could have been higher in the standings with more wins. They they were not a bad team. They had good players. This season, yes, they, they seem lacking. They don't have any creators. It's hard to watch them play. But in the previous years, I don't think Alba Berlin was that bad. I mean, uh, at the end of the last EuroLeague regular season, I checked wins and losses of all EuroLeague teams since the new format, which uh, was introduced in 2016. Yeah. And the worst three teams by winning percentage in seven years was actually Asphalt Villarban, 
Himki, 34, Alba Berlin, 35. And all the other teams like Zvezda, Bayern, Valencia, and Panathinaikos on my list, they went uh, 42 and, and over. So it's not like, you know, the recency bias or something. It's like, a, you know, uh, a trend. But is there a league in the world where you don't have bottom teams against whom others usually get wins yeah. or points? Is there a team in the world? Is there a league in the world like that? Mm. Not only basketball, but professional it would, sports. It would be nice to see, you know, since you have, you know, ha you have no merit, you know, in, in the domestic leagues, it would be nice to see your league implementing some kind of way to help those clubs that are in the bottom, you know, at the end of the season, you know, I don't know, maybe having a priority uh, in signing Euro Cup or BCL players or domestic league players. Like, I mean, I'm talking about absolutely hypothetical situations that are probably going never to be used, but, you know, maybe some kind of help for them to to have a priority in maybe signing those those hidden gems. But it's really hard to do, to force anything to help uh, some teams the way European basketball is structured. So mm. it's up for the teams to do a better job in scouting in scouting the players and signing them in a way that makes actually sense. The way, let's say, you know, Jaligris have been doing for the last couple of years. And and then it's up for the coaches to do the better job because I, I don't think this this as well roster is as bad as it looks right now. So they have really some some interesting players. So maybe it's early and maybe they also need some more time and a new coach and they will play better because right now they they definitely don't look like a Euroleague team. Yeah, I think that as well just in general have more upside to improve things first of all they have a long-term license so nothing can be done from the Euroleague I think that there's only this exception if all teams votes to throw you out of the competition then you might lose the license but I'm not even sure if it's if it's like legal or, or the only exception in, in the whole uh, situation with Albert it's, it's tricky they don't have any long-term license and you know you have Valencia also uh, in this tricky situation you potentially have Russian teams back in two, three or more ah. or more years. You have Paris basketball, you have Dubai, you have London uh, on the verge of joining EuroLeague. So they shouldn't feel safe. Although, you know, I wouldn't like to throw them out. I like the whole idea, you know, not teams are built for winning the EuroLeague, but Alba Berlin constantly produces some some young players. They be, they become stars in the EuroLeague uh, and, and in the future, some of them go to the NBA. So. For me, there's nothing wrong to have that kind of team, although uh, given their uh, limitations that they have and lack of upside uh, looking long term, but it's just in this strict environment, you know, they're, they're not in a safe position with Aswell. There's just not much you can do, yeah. uh, except from, I don't know, if you fail to deliver with the results, I mean, it's not like they don't have a big budget. They have okay budget to be a little bit more competitive yeah. than they are right now. So you can improve your scouting services, uh, front office uh, services, uh, you yeah. might change the strategy. So there's more upside, but. There is no professional league in the world of sports without outsiders. Yeah. And there are no guarantees that you bring in somebody else instead of Asphalt or Alba, maybe they even have more money. There's no guarantee that any of these teams won't have another season where they miss on all their signings, where, where they have injuries, they don't pick the right coach. I mean, we survived that in Lithuania, Mazalgiris had the terrible year. So mm. no one's really safe. Panathinaikos have been, is that a word in English, vegetating in the league for a couple of years also. And mm. we're talking about one of the biggest names in European basketball. 
so uh i mean yeah we would love to see in the perfect league where everyone's competing for the playoffs and all that but maybe it's not not realistic it's normal to have teams that suck and as i said it's alba berlin the last couple of years they were not that bad mm. and they had good players and as you said they produced players for, for them maybe alba was like a stepping stone mm. to go forward to sign um good contracts with other EuroLeague teams or NBA as you said as well. that's probably the worst part about as well they don't produce players to other teams last year they signed I don't know four guys that came from domestically yeah. but none of them are mm -hmm. playing at the EuroLeague level in this season well in the beginning they seem like a team that's that's going to be known for developing young talents yeah. now they are just Jones. a veteran team exactly like it was Elio Kobo, Chris Jones there. It was an exciting season. Yeah, Last they were even prospects. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the point guard, French point guard before the NBA draft. Maladon? Maladon. Maladon. Yeah, Maladon. 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 Then there were expectations Maladon. with Mateo, uh, Matthew Strozel. Then there was somebody Yeah. yeah. They, but now they're they better. Risa Cher. Risa Cher. Yeah. yeah. They could yeah. have been the most exciting league last year. Mm -hmm. Easily. Yeah. But they didn't keep any of those players and and it, it feels so like they're still a, looking for the direction now they're a veteran mm. team um, but not that kind of much of the future so they have to find their direction it's not easy they're it, also relatively young it seems like it's, it, it. It's, it's the club with the purpose to have the colo in a good shape for paris olympic <laughs> that, that's the main purpose <laughs> Okay, let's put it that way. It's, it's a joke, of course. Don't don't be offended <laughs> if you support Asphil Villarbon. Uh, and almost for the end, we have NBA season starting on the corner. Yeah. Start of the season is on October 24th. And just to make a short preview for European listeners, I thought of having three questions surrounded by the mm, most popular, biggest European names coming into the NBA this season. And I'm talking about Vasile Misic, Sasha Vizenkov, and Viktor Vembanyama. Uh, and I have three questions to you guys about them. And you're gonna say in or out, you're gonna argue for one or other option. And let's start with Vasile Misic. Is Vasile Misic going to be traded by the trade deadline this year, which is until February 8th? That's, that's a wild, guess and 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 the, there's no right answer to it because yep. because that's why it's interesting yeah it makes more interesting because it's, because we have no we suggested something yeah. that kind of scenario it's like right? we have no idea how is he going to perform what role is he going to play and and how happy is he going to be and i i would say no i would say he he'll play his season in oklahoma i would say yes just because okc has so much young talent there and you know, I don't think Mitsich is going to get enough chances. And I think maybe, you know, GM who really enjoys Vasilia's game could take a, could take a chance at the trade deadline, maybe to improve his seven or eight man rotation. Mm. And I think maybe there are a couple of GMs that like him in the league because we had rumors about him that teams want him, but it's the um you know the, that the problem that is okc has have his rights and now since he's in the league other teams can approach you know him by by making a trade for him so mm. i think it's a bit easier to get him now by by those gms well, that really if, do if, like if him if you throw some nice second round picks in the package <laughs> it might happen because oklahoma thunder holds 
a ridiculous number of first round and second round picks for the next six or seven years. 514 I mean, is the number? The number is, is ridiculous. So <laughs> if you throw a good package, it might happen. But I, 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 I would guess that he's going to play there. There were actually rumors among basketball people uh, that OKC might help him to build his stock before the deadline. Uh, gonna mm -hmm. try to push him to get some minutes, uh, to get some better stats, and just to you know increase his stock before the deadline to trade him. So, yeah, I wouldn't rule that out for sure. Uh, Sasha Vazenkov is is he going to get minutes in the playoffs if Kings, of course, are going to make mm. it? I would say he he'd get minutes, but he wouldn't be in the eight man rotation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like getting minutes means someone's in a foul trouble, someone's injured. There is a game where mm. uh, a, a blowout game, and you play the fourth quarter or something like that. Uh, he would step on that court, but, but I would, he would be out I, of the main I, I, I would guess that he okay. wouldn't be in yeah. the eight-man rotation. Okay, I agree with Ridis. I would love to see Sasha succeed. I hope nothing for the best for him. Like I wish he plays thirty <clears throat> minutes in the playoffs, but I think that you know in the playoffs. In NBA playoffs, you, the targeting gets really heavy, and in every possession, it's basically you know the team, the teams are targeting that one or two guys that are on the court that are playing the, the you know the the subpar defense, and probably Sasha is going to be that guy if he's on the court in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So, with the defenses on the other side glued to him, you know I'm not sure if his impact offensively outweighs you know. Is targeting yeah. defensively, but of course, I, I, it, it, I, love, I would love to see him. It also really on depends court. on who who they would face yeah. in the playoffs. Of course, if you're facing Golden State Warriors True. like like last season, I don't think they would play a rookie. I know he's not a young player; <laughs> uh, he doesn't lack experience. But in the NBA context, he's a rookie. So if they are facing uh, Warriors uh, first round of players, best of se uh, playoffs, best of seven, mm, he wouldn't. I, I wouldn't see him in the eight-man rotation unless he performs magnificently in the regular season. Mm. Or there are injuries, but that you cannot predict. And the last one is about Victor Vembanyama. Do you think he will be selected to the NBA All-Star game? Uh, if it, but is the system right now? Is it only fan voting? No, it's uh, mixed. Starting five. If it's only based on fan voting, right? And then the no, bench. not only fan voting. It's uh, fans plus media, media plus mm. players. And the bench. 50, 25, 25. Okay, I think. if it was only fan voting, I would say maybe. Right now, I'm thinking that still Spurs are gonna be careful with him. Um, I wouldn't even bet on him being the rookie of the year actually i think scoot henderson will probably play more games and, and more minutes and 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 they will be really i'm expecting them to be really careful with when mm -hmm. so it's not like he's gonna put some crazy stat yeah. lines every single night and have these great averages and and the spurs might be even winning games and and then you're talking about an all-star uh my guess is no if it was only a popular vote then probably yes yeah. but since since it's not i'm, I'm thinking that nope the last rookie to be voted to an all-star team was Blake Griffin in 2011. Yeah. The other one was Yao Ming in 20, uh, 2003. And LeBron James did not play in an all-star game, so I'm saying no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I, but, I think it's fair. I mean, yeah. for that to happen, he definitely has to play without any limitations, any load management, and, and actually dominate. He's doing things already in the preseason, you know, that's 
you know those photos, the clips, yeah, they, his yeah, impact yeah. defensively is just Some something jaw dropping seen before. Jaw dropping stuff like blocking three point shots and then running to the other side of the court, getting fadeaway jumpers, and they're gonna get used to it, and it's it's gonna be the future of the NBA. But the rookie season, first of all, for Spurs, it wouldn't be smart to overplay him to risk injuries and and anything like that. They have to be careful. It's pretty obvious. I have one last thing, actually, guys. Okay. Well, uh, bring it on. And again, it, it's in relation to the NBA season starting. Uh, teams are starting to waive some players. Uh, mm -hmm. So the Chicago Bulls <clears throat> recently waived Carleek Jones. Do you ex expect him to sign in EuroLeague, maybe? I actually had this conversation with one one guy, I would say, and he said that Carleek Jones to Basconia would make a lot of sense. Basketball-wise, yes. Basketball-wise, yeah, yes. That would be nice. Ooh. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I just fell in love with his game after the World Cup, and I would love to see him in Europe. I think we'll he see. He doesn't belong in a G League. He has to play yeah. serious basketball. And he might have a bright future here in Europe to, yeah. to get a lot, to earn a lot of money. And I, I, I expect to see a lot, many players coming over yeah. from the NBA to join clubs like FS, Panaikos, who is exploring the market for some nice signings. Estonia, maybe even Zalgiris. Uh, yeah, Jarger is looking at borderline NBA player, mm -hmm. G League type of players who probably they were waiting for the final rosters to open the season. So it should be a quite active uh, market in the upcoming weeks. Also, we're heading into very interesting week as well. Have some huge games. Olympiacos, Anadolu FS, they're hosting FS. Real Madrid, Barcelona. We will have only one undefeated team since both Barca and Madrid won all of their games. Monaco, Maccabi. Uh, should be a nice one, especially following this great rivalryness created in the playoffs. Jalgiris uh, against Valencia, big game for Lithuanian fans. Pantnaikos, Basconia, both teams are struggling one and three. I, I, I think both started that way. And of course, Partizan, Cervena Zvezda, the anticipated derby game that we're actually going to cover. Uh, Augustas, me, also, Gitas uh, Blaževičius and uh, Milogas <coughs> Bartis were going to Belgrade to do some extensive coverage. We will do the, the vlog about this whole experience. We're going to do, actually, we're going to do the Q&A podcast session following the Derby game. So we urge you uh, to join Beyond Plus community on basketnews.com slash plus to send us your questions and potentially win some, win some prizes. Yep. And we will do some other extra coverage that might be only exclusively for Beyond Plus members. We have a lot of ideas, a long, long, short list. I cannot call it a long, a long short list. list. That's an oxymoron. Yeah, long, short. We list. have a long list <laughs> of of players that we want to talk to or to do some mm. different uh, coverage. So it should be a very interesting week. Sorry, I just want to use this moment to give a shout out to Euroleague because you have to give credit where credit is due. We complain about the scheduling a lot, and I just want to give a shout out that they are. Uh, Put Partizans Vesda Derby at 7:30 uh, mm -hmm. local time, and El Clasico at 9:45. So you can watch both games. I will be able to cover both games uh, in a row, and that's great because in the past we were complaining <laughs> a lot about Derby games, just great games, just clashing with each other, and 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 you have to choose. So. But at the same time, probably this Thursday is going to be the best regular season day. 
in the whole season. The you have stack. You have Zvezda Partizan. Yeah. You have Real Madrid Barcelona. You have Olympiacos versus FS, and you have Monaco versus Maccabi, a rematch of last yeah. year's playoffs. Thursday wow. is stacked. Thursday is, is stacked. And, and, and on Friday... Thursday is planned. Man. And on Friday, <laughs> let's say you have less exciting games. On, thir- on, on Friday, I'm watching the games that happened on Thursday. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, the replays. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. So thank you all for watching us. And join Beyond Plus community to enjoy the entire experience of our trip to Belgrade to cover Red Star and Servanda Zvezda. And see you very soon.